to Midwife Monday. Monday. <laughs> I'm Andy. I'm one of the midwives for Holistic Heritage Homebirth. And I'm Jay Lynn. I'm the other half of Holistic Heritage Homebirth. We actually have three midwives. Um, the other one's Shauna. And we're excited to have her. We are. She's phenomenal. Um, today we're oh, talking. Oh, fix it now, sister. No. Fix it. Make sure it's just perfect. Hi, Kim. Um, today we're talking about really a hot topic and um, an emotionally charged topic. Uh, and it's, it's a hot topic for me personally because I am a woman of size. And unfortunately, our world has not come to a place where we've dropped the stigma and bias. It's still there. So today we're going to talk about plus size pregnancy, not just plus size pregnancy, but also birth and even postpartum. Yeah. And how we heal from from birth. Right. And really, when we talk about um, nutrition and pregnancy, it's not about your size. It's mm-hmm. really about the health of your body and your baby for pregnancy. So matter, no matter what size you are, we're going to have the same conversation. Right. Like within our practice, whether you're slim, whether you're considered normal, which is um, suspect to what's normal, or whether you're considered plus size, we're still going to have the same conversation because it applies across all sizes. Absolutely. Because you want to stay low risk no matter what size you are and that's what's going to get you there is nutrition. We don't really even like the word diet. Mm-hmm. It's nutrition and movement. That's what's going to keep you low risk. Yep. Um, but go ahead. Go ahead. So the most important part of having a good experience I think and like just just me personally and the adventure I went on as, as a plus size woman was finding a provider that is supportive that can check their bias at the door and there's so many different ways to find that I did I mean my be I was over 300 pounds when I had my first home birth so me walking into a door of a provider that wouldn't have been size friendly um, would have been a really bad situation for me because I'm just walking in the door they haven't met me they haven't done a health history on me they haven't checked my blood pressure they have no idea anything just walking in the door, there's several assumptions that are going to be made, and that's on a daily, no matter what we do, but especially in a provider's office. So things that you can look for that I looked for in a provider was the language that they use. Are they respectful? The way they talk to you, are they talking down to you in a demeaning way? Because we know that one of the stigmas of being overweight um, is an intelligence level that's lower. This is not true. Um, I have my doctorate, and I happen to be overweight. This is not true, but it is a, bi- a bias in our world, unfortunately, and especially in the medical world, that we don't think that people who are plus size can make good choices about their health care because, obviously, they must be ding-dongs. Right. And that bias carries right over to the physician because they automatically look at you and assume that you're unhealthy. And just because we're large doesn't mean we are unhealthy. Right. Um, we can be large and very healthy. So, but they've already labeled you in their mind, in their charting, um, and they're already expecting the very worst outcome for you. And that's how they're treating you throughout the whole pregnancy, which isn't really unfair. It's very unfair. And then to put the cherry on the top, they're actually rewarded for doing that because they can chart um, your obese or morbidly obese and then code insurance for a higher rate because now you're a higher risk because of that one thing. And it has nothing to do with the big picture of your health. Right. So um, when you're looking for a provider and you're a plus size woman and you're pregnant, 
kind of know your numbers. Is your blood pressure good? Are you moving well? Right? If you're able to do all of those things and you're getting pregnant, uh, because pregnancy, as Andy likes to say all the time, is the state of health, um, then you're probably fairly healthy. Yeah. And things, because really the most important thing you can do is find a provider that is supportive and unbiased. When you walk into the space, like ask for an interview before you hire somebody. And then if you hire them and they're no good, fire them. It's your experience. But walk in. Do they have a blood pressure cuff that's going to fit you? Did they actually consider you when they're thinking about health care? If you walk in and it's an itty-bitty kid blood pressure cuff, that's not going to work for you. Do they have seating that's accommodating, you know, without um, arms that you'll fit in and be comfortable? Did they think about these things tells you whether or not have they thought about you? Right? Yeah. Um, uh, and it's really difficult. I will say we're in a time of the Google machine. So let's go on Google and search everything. And it, it's really scary because people like drama and people like fear. So they're going to put out all the information that tells you you're high risk for this and your baby's at risk for this. And it's going to give you a whole list of really scary things that, yes, women of size are at a slightly higher risk for but incrementally, and not if they're healthy. They're not looking at a healthy population of women who are plus size. They're looking at plus size on a whole as a number instead of a big picture. And that number is not typically based off of the big picture of like, is BMI because of muscle mass or is BMI because of fat? Because um, those are two very different things. And does this person eat well and move or not? It's just everyone's lumped into one group. Right, which is really unfair. So, again, you want to look at the whole picture. Um, one of the things that um, the medical industry, and we are too, we're going to be looking at is do you have diabetes of any sort? Because mm -hmm. um, diabetes is higher risk for your baby. It's not good for you either, y'all. But um, it is a little bit higher risk for your baby. So that's going to be really important. So if you've never been diagnosed with um diabetes, then that's something that they're going to be testing for. Absolutely. Um, and they're going to test early in your pregnancy if your BMI is a certain number. And I think that's reasonable because that's one of the biggest things that you want to ensure. Like if you don't have diabetes, you're at higher risk for developing gestational diabetes. So let's talk about that nutrition and how to keep that glucose under control because that's one of the big risk factors, which you can get rid of that risk factor, which is healthy eating. Mm-hmm. And they're going to label you if your BMI is 30 or above. 30. Right. A lot of us are 30 or above. <laughs> so you're telling me um, everyone that's 30 or above is high risk. And when we label people as high risk, we take on this really, not to be like touche, but like this weight of being broken. Um, you're not broken. You are so mm -hmm. capable. Plus size is totally capable of all these things. Right. And I also feel like um, in traditional care, they really miss an opportunity to um, address healthy eating habits. Right? Because we tend to be really motivated when we're pregnant. We'll do anything for our children. Anything. Right? So if we just say, hey, do you know that if you eat so much protein, get your vegetables in, and stop eating cookies, cakes, candy, sweets, stuff like that. Some of us can be big without eating all that, by the way. I'm just saying, in pregnancy, I, we're really motivated to change some of our unhealthier eating habits. 
Uh, and then that puts fear into people because we think we're supposed to gain weight in pregnancy when so often, especially in our practice, we find people don't gain weight at all because they're eating healthier. They're not really losing weight. They're just staying, well, because they're gaining weight with the pregnancy, but they're actually losing the fat they had when they came in and right. the unhealthy tissue that they had. That's okay. If you come in weighing 300 or 320 pounds, it would be really normal after you have your baby to have lost weight. Yes. And that's really good. And I feel like, um, like the biggest risk I think about is long term, not for your pregnancy. But if you are heavier, you are going to have more risk with glucose, diabetes. And if you can get that under control when you're young, it changes your whole life. Mm -hmm your whole life. Um, so we have a lost opportunity during these years when we're really healthy and our body can handle all of those things, the extra glucose, and we compensate great for that when we're young, but we don't when we're older. So we have a great opportunity at this time to address those, to educate, and to develop healthier habits. Mm -hmm. Without shame. Without shame. That's the big thing. So one of the um, more grand things we see with women of size and birth is the really unfair stamp they get as far as VBACs go. People are so afraid to allow a woman of size to VBAC. They're afraid of it. Um, it's really not that much different. When you look at risk, you have to, when somebody tells you, oh, it's twice as much, you need to ask for the actual number because there's a difference between absolute risk and relative risk. And that is a trick that the medical field does when they really want to coax you into what they want for you. They'll say things like, oh, your risk doubles. Well, does it double from 25% to 50% or does it double from 0.1% to 0.2%? Ask. I want the actual number. I don't want to hear double or triple because that could be minuscule and, and really doesn't matter. So ask for the actual value. That's a big, big thing so that you can be educated about the choice you're making. And that risk she's talking about is, uh, is that uterine scar going to break open, which we call rupture. There's so many more risks besides that right? Each surgery is much more high risk than that risk of rupture. And the surgeons know that, especially... And they don't talk about that doubling. In the population of um, heavy women, which let's just be realistic, when we are heavier, typically we have tissue that's different, um, and we have the skin that overhangs from where our surgery is going to be. So we're at an increased risk for infection from surgeries. So much that they actually typically do them a little bit different if you're not prepared. If you are going to have a C-section, that it's up to you, whatever birth option you pick. But typically they will pick that flap up and tape it to your stomach. And then they leave drains in on the side. They do it very, very different. And I will say too, because um, I worked in the hospital before I, I was a midwife, um, epidurals are a little bit more difficult on a person of size as far as the tissue is on your back. Um, so ask for a really skilled anesthesiologist if you have concerns about that. If they've been trying to place it a few times, it's okay for you to say, can I get somebody else in here now? Yeah. Um, you don't have to get keep, keep getting poked like that. But I think it's even more imperative to fight for that vaginal delivery. Right. Because... Um, Again, the surgical risks are so much more higher the second time around. Um, more mothers die in that surgery, postpartum bleeding, infection rates are higher. And everything else for the mom is so much more higher risk. So fight for that vaginal. Fight. fight and for you're going to be on an uphill battle 
Mm -hmm. I, I will tell you because the statistics show in America, women who have a BMI of, uh, I can't remember, 40 or above, right off the bat, nothing. They've walked in the door, 50% risk of C-section just from medical bias. If you have, uh, if you weigh over 300 pounds, 80% get a C-section. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, and that is so much more dangerous. Well. Pick your provider yeah. well and fire people if you're getting the red flags. If they're already talking about a large baby, if they're already telling you to schedule it, no, it's not evidence based. Right. Mm, I've been a little bit. Yeah. You talked about gestational diabetes a little bit. Um, you are going to be a little bit more high risk for gestational diabetes, but again, changing those eating habits, eating healthy can mitigate that risk. And that's really what we're looking for. So by the time you're 40 weeks, you don't have gestational diabetes, or maybe you do have gestational diabetes, but your diet control, that means you're eating well enough that your glucose is under control, those numbers, then that risk factor of a big baby or placenta issues or bleeding issue, it goes away based on that gestational diabetes. You just eliminated that risk by just eating healthy. And then they want to separate these risks out like they're separate, but really it all kind of ties mm -hmm. into gestational diabetes. So the shoulder dystocia risk, the big baby risk, all those things really have to do with the diabetes risk. So if we can mitigate that, we've mitigated the other ones, but they want to separate them out. And, oh, even if you don't have gestational diabetes, because you're a woman of size, you're at risk for a big baby. That's not true. No. That's not true. They're all interlocked. Yeah. And that goes along with, that gestational diabetes goes along with big baby, shoulder dystocia, stuff like that. But if you've managed, mitigated all those risks, you've if you've mitigated the glucose issue, you've mitigated all of that. Right. And here's another trick. So if you're at a provider and they're saying, oh, so... So typically you're going to have your tummy measured, right? They're going to start at this little notch in your bones and then they're going to reach up to the top of your fundus, which is the, the top of your uterus. And that's going to grow incrementally each week. Um, however many weeks you are, that's typically about how many centimeters uh, you are in growth for fundal height. But if you have extra tissue there already, you're not going to measure the same way a person who doesn't have extra tissue. Um, if you wouldn't measure me right there, I'm probably 24 weeks pregnant right now. <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is. So take it into consideration. If somebody's trying to say, oh, your fundal heights are six centimeters more than I really like them to be at this time. Well, of course they are. I have a lump of tissue that is creating the six centimeters of extra growth. So so know, know your own numbers. And really right. it's about, am I growing correctly? Not what the what the number is. Right. And that's not going to tell you that you're growing a big baby. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is harder to feel the size of your baby when you've got extra fluff. So that's just going to be the reality of the situation. And we're just going to, we're just going by, are we showing growth? Are you having fetal movement? We're not, um, we, I know we personally aren't looking at the size of the baby all the time on mm -hmm. ultrasound. Besides, we know that's inaccurate. Um, so... Really, we want to know that is your baby moving and are you showing growth? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes in the hospital setting, I'm just like kind of drawing back from experiences I saw. Women would come in who were of size and automatically, instead of trying to put them in on, on an external monitor, because it is a little harder when yes. you have some fluff to find a baby. Um, and then if you move, we've got to find the baby again. It creates more work for the people who are trying to serve you. They'll put internal monitors in. They'll break your water and they'll put internal monitors in. So it makes their job easier. Man, 
Who cares about their job being easy? Yep. Who cares? That's when I say go for intermittent monitoring. It's much easier just to get in there, listen to the baby's heart rate, and then get out instead of staying on that monitors. And internal monitoring, you guys, are has its own set of risk factors, infection. And I don't know, it's not talked about a lot, but the one for the heart rate, it's actually a little screw that screws into your baby's head. It's not just, it's not like touching. It actually right. screws in to the top they, of your they baby's head. They found this part and they literally screwed it in. Yeah. Actually, my case, my case linen, um, they missed the first time and he had a cut all the way across his forehead from that, from that screw before they hit his spot. Yep. My little baby. So, not only are they doing that, that increases infection risk for your baby because they've just broken the skin of your baby. So, yep. um, no, don't do it. Agreed. Just reading through. We talked about C-sections. The other one they say, you have a longer labor. People. I was over 300 pounds with all three of my last babies and I had three hour labors. It's not true. Now, if you look at it on a whole, women of size do tend to have about an hour and a half longer labor. I would not consider that a, a risk or a long labor. It just is what it is. And maybe that's because they're putting stress on you or we don't even know what the factor is of why it's an hour and a half. The problem is not you. The problem is the provider, and they need to have patience. An hour and a half is fine. Right. And it could be the position of the baby. No one's really decided what position the baby's in, and you're being kept in a bed, and you can't move. So, yeah, that's going to make things longer. Right. And then because it's that little bitty spot longer, oh, we got to push Pitocin, or we've got to do some kind of augmentation, because obviously they're broken because they've got extra tissue so they do this thing that which causes the c-section which causes problems for you with your increased risk from a surgery man tell them to be patient and leave you alone agreed um one of the other things that puts that uh, women's size can have blood pressure issues um which isn't necessarily true but you can so that's why your blood pressure is monitoring being monitored through your whole pregnancy, blood pressure issues can cause what we, it's known as preeclampsia. Um, so preeclampsia is not good. It's not good. But the risk is very, very small, really small. But you should know that it is. It is right. increased. You should know all your risks. But it is a small increased risk. And again, a really healthy diet, high-protein diet, uh, will mitigate that risk as well. Mm -hmm. The other question we get all the time, because um, if you're on any of the boards, um, there's actually one called, I think, Plus says plus size pregnancy that like 100,000 people follow. It's a beautiful blocker. Um, women are always, oh, I've been told I can't have a vaginal birth. My whole family says just have the C-section. Um, and I actually heard a physician say this to somebody that said, you have too much fat in your vagina to be able to push a baby out of your vagina. Big fart on your face, dude. That is ridiculous. It's that ridiculous that he actually deserved his hair to blow with a fart because that's the dumbest statement I've ever heard. Even if you do have like fatter lips, fatter labia lips, because um, that does happen. Anywhere, you can have adipose tissue anywhere in your body. Adipose is fancy for fat. Um, you can have that kind of tissue anywhere in your body. But guess what? Your vagina moves and it moves back and the baby makes way. Fat doesn't hold things up. It's okay. You're very capable of a vaginal birth. And I've caught babies for people who are over 300 pounds. And their adipose tissue never got in the way of a baby coming out vaginally. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a silly statement. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I want you to say fart on your face. Fart on your face. <laughs>
and on your gums. Not just your face, but let the air actually hit the gums by your teeth. That's gross. That is gross. <laughs> um, the last part I want to touch on, because you really can't talk about body image without talking about shame, is that we feel embarrassed. Um, society's taught us to be embarrassed about everything. You're too small. Your boobs are too big. Your boobs are too small. Um, you have a big hiney. You have a small hiney. It doesn't matter. But all these things, uh, we carry shame. And I want you to start releasing it now. And especially in pregnancy and birth, when we're supposed to be so proud of what our body's capable of, and um, we're supposed to feel lovely, people are not feeling lovely. Um, they feel embarrassed. Um, one of the things I had, had listened to like an evidence-based birth um, podcast with Rebecca Decker about plus size pregnancy, and that I did not realize this, but I'm gonna be more aware in the future. Plus size pregnancy um, women tend to really focus on the pregnancy part and the labor, but they don't want to consider the birth because they don't want to imagine their body in a position that's unattractive. So a bigger woman in a hands and knees position, she's like, they're going to see my rear. They're going to see my fat dangling. And it's really hard for them to navigate those emotions. So they just shut it off. So I really encourage you to imagine your, your body's so beautiful in, in all shapes and sizes and every wrinkle and scar and roundness and all these things, right? Um, welcome it. Know that if you've picked the right provider, we don't see that anyway. We just see you as the princess, queen, magical person that you are and all your capabilities. Um, and we think you're amazing. We don't care about a roll on your back or, or a ripple on your hiney or dents in your thighs. Those things are so unimportant. Um, you got this. You're beautiful totally just the way this. you are. There's no... There's no, you should be having a private provider that's not having judgment in that way to, yeah. towards you and your body. Because we think you're amazing. And if you have anything that you think might help us as providers, if we said a word that's discouraging to you, because we're learning as we go, and I like to learn. Um, and just because I'm a woman of size doesn't mean I don't say things wrong or I don't think things wrong. If you've had an experience where like, I wish you would have had this. For example, like our scale only goes up to 325. Um, that's something that we probably should consider. I heard that in the podcast and I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, so just if, if you know something that we should be doing better or we could be doing better to serve people of size, let us know because we're totally open. Yeah. There you go. Go fight for the best you want. No. I'm, oh, just comments. I'm proud of being a life into this world. That's Kim. Matter of the size. I agree, Kim. How about Kim? Bam. Yay, thanks for tuning in every week, Kim. We really love your support and love that you send our way all the time. One of the most beautiful people you'll ever meet in life. Yeah, I, hear have, it. I haven't met you in person, I don't think. Have oh, I? she's the stuff. That's my sister. She's yeah. good people.